praise and worship God today. Things he does for us. 
the first verse, it says, For the unclean, the unholy, for the broken, the unworthy, you came. Now, who feels have ever been any of those things in your life? And that you needed a king that you could come and bow down before and worship and adore. That's what we're looking to do this morning. We have this manger laid out before us. We have this scene that's been set. The angels are seen. The star is shone. The baby is born. It's lying there. Now, how do we come and adore it? I want to start on that bridge, if we can, of this song. Andrew, if you go to the bridge, oh, come let us adore. We're going to sing to this bridge a couple of times. Let you hear this. And then we're going to go in and sing it from the beginning, okay? Let's sing this with us, okay?
Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you.
opportunity to be able to praise God for what he has given to us. So let's remember if you were able to praise God in this time to say hallelujah or praise the Lord. Amen. Grady, if you can pray for us. 
gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that is torn all apart. How many fathers gave up their sons for me? Only one did that for me. been great to be in the presence of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. God truly has a blessing for each and every one of us. And yes, that blessing that we have been celebrating and thinking about, uh, you know, was our Savior, Jesus Christ, that was born on Christmas Day. Uh, you know, and a lot of times whenever we're in the Christmas, and of course, I, I don't know about you, but the closer Christmas comes, the more I turn into a child. Are y'all that way? Uh, you know, I, I get excited. Uh, you know, I heard someone, uh, you know, last week um, uh, we went uh, with our son and his wife to a candlelight service, uh, you know, Christmas Eve. And, uh, and the pastor was talking and he said, you know, he said, the worst thing that we do at Christmas time is that we wrap the Christmas presents about a month early, and we put them underneath the Christmas tree and expect our kids not to get into them. Is that it? Uh, you know, but it's the anticipation, right? Uh, you know, the gifts are there, and how many times do you go to that tree to see how many presents has your name on it? Uh, you know, as an adult, I, you know, I love that. Uh, you know, I go and I, I check them multiple times because Peggy, you know, She's, you know, she hides the gifts, and then as she finds them, she'll wrap them and put them underneath the tree. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I go and I check periodically, but for me, I'm kind of the opposite, and, and I like to hide them in plain sight. Okay, so, so this year, I got Peggy 
a fossil watch, one of those smartwatches that communicates with your phone and it checks your, you know, how many steps you take and, you know, and all this stuff here. So I got one of those, but they come in a metal box already decorated. Now, the thing about it is, is that last year I got my daughter one. So this year I picked the same exact box for Peggy's as I did for Crystal's last year. And what did I do? I just simply set it on the counter right there in front of the TV to where Peggy would go by. And I said, yeah, I said, I found Crystal's box last, you know, from last year. But her present was right in front of her, not even wrapped. You know, we were, you know, celebrating Christmas in, uh, you know, in Mississippi. And, uh, you know, I bought her leather gloves for the motorcycle. I literally hung the gloves on the Christmas tree, not wrapped. Hung them on the Christmas tree. She did not find them until Christmas morning whenever I handed them to her. She's like, oh, where'd you get those? See, I love that, but I love the anticipation. Uh, you know, we anticipate all of these things. Uh, you know, so and all this here really stems on the fact that, you know, we turn into children the closer we get to Christmas. Okay, so I have a question for you. How many of you played ever played hide-and-go-seek? Everybody, just raise your hand. Don't speak out loud. Played hide-and-go-seek. I have another question for you. How many of you have ever played, uh, you know, Sharks and Menace? Everybody played Sharks and Menace? No? Don't know what it is. Okay, all right. I, I think I actually have it, uh, you know, hidden, uh, you, know, you know, differently, uh, you know, but it's supposed to be Menace. I, I know that Menace is in there. Okay, but it is the reverse of hide-and-go-seek. Okay, so you have, instead of one person that seeks for everybody, everybody, uh, you know, they are seeking for that one person. So they go and hide. So here I am as a youth pastor, and, you know, and uh, you know, I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to play. Uh, you know, we're going to play this game, and I said, but the sanctuary is off limits. I'm searching for 20 youth in this church. I can't find them anywhere. Can't find them anywhere. They're in the sanctuary. They're not only in the sanctuary, they're in the baptistry. So as I find them in the baptistry, here comes the pastor. What are y'all doing? Uh, yes, in the sacred baptistry, there was 21 teenagers, because I'm including myself at this point in time, in the baptistry. But I've played it in hotels where people will hide in the hotels, and by the time you get everybody that's in the hotel, you know, that's in this here, they have, you know, they have hidden in the elevator, and now you have about 15 or 20 people in the elevator. We had one elevator that we overloaded in St. Louis, and it stopped in between floors. You should have seen whenever the fire department opened up those doors and all those kids came scurrying down, you know, in between the floors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that didn't go over all that well. But, you know, whenever we think about hide-and-go-seek, it's not necessarily the person that can seek really good that finds people, but it's the one that listens really good that finds the people uh, you know grandparents I, I'm really looking forward to this 
okay, because I get to play hide-and-go-seek again, and I know that all I'm going to have to do is just simply listen for the giggles, and I will be able to find them. Uh, you know, Maverick, uh, you know, we play hide-and-go-seek one time with him, just FaceTiming, and all, I, all you had to do was say, where's Maverick? And he starts clapping. But see, whenever you're grandparents, you can do things like that, right? You can play those games and everything's okay. So it's not necessarily how well we seek, but how well we listen. I'd like for you to listen to this video. God had been silent for 400 years. We knew because we were listening, in a sense. My job, my job is to listen. You wouldn't call a person that talks a lot a wise man, would you? No, you'd call them many, many, many things, but a wise man wouldn't be one of them. My position is to look for signs everywhere. A star, for example. I can look at a star and watch it and wait and see what the star is trying to tell us. I read one time of a star that would announce a new king. And then one day, there it was, a beacon in the night, a star like, unlike any other star I'd ever seen before. And so I followed it. Several of us, we followed this star. It was bizarre. The star would lead, it would move, and we would follow. Our journey took two years, and it led us to Judea. And then the star stopped. It just stopped. Shining down over this small cottage, our journey ended not at a palace for a king, but at a home for a peasant. This was it. I mean, we gathered our thoughts, we gathered our gifts, we did all that we could do to contain our emotion. And behind those doors was a new king. A king that could command the stars in the sky and yet chose to dwell among us. A king that spoke and the word became flesh. God was finished being silent. That night, we knelt. We bowed down before this baby boy. And each one of us laid gifts at his feet. We had to, we couldn't help it. 400 years of silence broken by the cries of the Son of God. So the silence was broken. But you know, whenever we think about this day and we look into the passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and the story about the wise men. Uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, we hear different things 
uh, you know, about these. So there, there's some myths about the wise men that I want to bring to kind of to your attention. Uh, you know, uh, the first thing is, is that we always think that there's only three. Uh, you know, there's many wise men, or there was many wise men. Uh, we think there are three just simply because there was only three gifts that were given. But there were multiple. We don't really know how many, uh, you know, kings there really was. Uh, you know, one of the other things is, and, and I kind of think it's kind of funny that we're doing it, uh, you know, but camels, uh, you know, you notice we have camels on our screens today. You know, uh, you know I actually, uh, in my studies this week, I had one commentator that took two pages to explain to us why there were no camels. I was like, well, is that the important thing of, of what we're dealing with here? And of course, to me, no, the camels really don't make any sense. It, you know, they can be riding a camel, they can be riding a donkey, they can be riding a horse, I don't care. There was a bunch of wise men that saw the star and they came and they followed the star. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we find this story. And it says, it goes, it, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the east, from the eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is this? Let me hit it. Where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star, and as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the rulers, ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then, King Her then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men and learned from them the time when the star had appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, as the star and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And in verse 12 it says, when, the, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country another route, for God had warned them in a dream to, not to return to Herod. 
So we find this in this scripture, this elegant story that ends here for us in this, you know, at the close of the Christmas season. And whenever we find this, we see that after they had listened to the king, they saw the star rise again, and then they followed the star, and it stopped where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, can you imagine what they had thought? After all, we know that they had been studying about this. And it's not that whenever you think that they studied and then the star appeared, uh, you know, they had to be looking for the star. It's not just simply that we study this and we don't look or we don't think about it any other than whenever we're sitting at our business or wherever we were, just simply sitting there, we still have to look for it. Uh, you know, let's think about it. In our lives, uh, you know, we have been told through Scripture about who Jesus Christ is. We have been told, you know, either by your parents uh, you know, by a Sunday school teacher, by a close friend about what God has done and about Jesus Christ and Him going to the cross, dying on the cross and being rose from the grave again. But we still have to look for Him and look for the signs of Him throughout our lives. Yes, we celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ we celebrated the babe in the manger. And yes, we look forward to the coming of him again whenever he comes to take his own home. On that judgment day, we look forward to that. But we have to look for signs of evidence of him in this world. I know that I'm not wrong. Because there are people sitting here today that are still searching for a sign from God that He is real in my life. There's a struggle that we're facing and we're like, okay, I, you know, I, I've heard you, but where are you now? Have you left me? We're still searching for those signs. We're still searching for the evidence of God in this world. There are people in this world that look and say, well, uh, you know, how can God be so evil? Or how could have he had the Israelites kill so many people in the Old Testament but still be a loving God? How can God allow a little baby to die and not cure him? How can God allow 9-11 to happen? How can God allow all the shootings that's going on in the schools, all the killing, all the anger? If there is a God, why is he not doing something? We're searching for this. We're searching for the answers. 
I think the wise men in their, in their journey give us a whole lot more than what we could really ever expect. I want us to take a look at this and I want to think about, you know, about their, about their journey. Because whenever we think about the journey of the wise men, you know, it always, or not always, but yes, always, even our journeys always starts with preparation. You're like, okay, well, where do you in the where in the world do you get that the wise men prepared for this, uh, you know, for this, uh, you know, for this journey? Well, they had been studying about it. They had been studying the scripture. Uh, you know, they had been studying and reading. They had most probably even went to some of the Jewish religious leaders and asked them questions about this star and about this birth of this king. Uh, you know, yes, uh, you know, we have the, uh, you know, the Torah, and that's the book that the uh, you know, Israelites used for most of their studies, and yes, uh, you know, we have prophecy that's written in there, uh, you know, that tells about this. But there are other religious groups that still go to them and even looked and studied their books. How many of you have studied books of other religions? I would suggest that you would grab and read some of them because some of the people that you live next to most probably worship some of those other gods and those other and they're part of those other religions that we have no idea about. Therefore, we don't know how to answer their questions and we don't know how to direct them to Jesus Christ. But we can't get confused and we can't get off track. And that's one of the other things that we deal with this and with preparation is, is that before we go and we study any other religious laws or any other religious books, we have to know ours first, right? Because if we don't know what Scripture tells us, then we will get sidetracked. The world does it to us every single day. Satan is constantly trying to get us off of the path that God has set for us. And if we don't know what it is, then we will be led astray. So they knew this. They prepared. Whenever the star appeared, it took six months for these wise men to gather everything that they would need for this journey before they began it. So whenever you start a journey, let's say that since we're at Christmas time, let's say that you're going to grandma's house for Christmas. What do you do? You just wake up that morning and jump in the car and head off to grandma's house? No. You do some preparation. Number one, you're most probably going to go get gas, right? Got to have gas in the car to get there. Number two, you're going to pack your clothes, right? Because you're going to have to have changes of clothes to be able to, to stay at grandma's house. 
Now, if you're only going for the day, then I know you don't have to pack any clothes, but you're going to Grandma's house, so you have to pack Christmas gifts, right? Right? you got to pack them. So there's preparation. But while we're on the journey, if we don't know how to get to Grandma's house, how likely are we going to be to get there? So we have to prepare. I was invited to a dinner tomorrow. And the person that invited me to the dinner wanted to make sure that I was prepared. So they gave me directions on how to get to their house. They gave me their address so that I could type it into the GPS. So you see where we are here? Yes, the, uh, you know, here we, we have that, you know, this journey. Uh, you know, they're following this star. But they had to do things for it. They had to study to know the star. They had to prepare. They had to pack everything up that they needed. After all, what were they going to do? They were going to worship a king. And whenever you go and worship a king, you have to bring gifts, right? So they prepared. They brought the gifts. You know, the other part that we have in this journey, you know, is that we, we have to know the destination. We have to know the destination. Now, the thing about the destination is, is that whenever we look here at the wise men, the wise men didn't know the destination. They knew that the king of the Jews' star came about and they wanted to go and worship the star. How many of you know How many of you know the steps to get to heaven? Raise your hand. We we know that we have to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we have to profess Him. But the Scripture tells us, remember it says in John, it says that the ones that are truly set free are my disciples. The ones that study and the ones that learn about my life. So in other words, the ones that receive and that believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, but yet also we study, we go into the Scripture and we read the Scripture, that is how we find out what we're supposed to do as far as being able to make it to heaven. It is not just simply professing by mouth that I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have to do something. I have to live a life that is worthy of being called a Christian. And I learn that by reading Scripture. I also learn that by being led by the Holy Spirit. So you get it? They followed the star. They followed what was written in the Word. They followed God's Word. But they were led by the star as we are led by the Holy Spirit. They're teaching us and they're telling us what we need to do. This life 
of Jesus Christ and living with Him as our Lord and Savior is a journey. We need to know the destination of that journey or we need to know how to get there. We know we want to get to heaven. We want to worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior for eternity in heaven, right? We've listened and we've listened to other people. We've read the scripture. We know about it. He has shown up in our lives. Now we just simply have to follow. We follow the drawing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Whenever He leads, we follow. If you remember, whenever the star moved, they moved. Whenever God directs us, we need to move. Just a little free information for you. We get into and we look at this particular passage. And in the third verse, we have these words that says that King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. So King Herod was disturbed whenever he heard the wise men say that they had came to worship the king of the Jews. Who else was disturbed? All of the people in Jerusalem. They had read the scripture. They knew the Messiah. They had got comfortable where they were. And they did not want the Messiah to come. You get it? They were comfortable where they were. And because they were comfortable where they were, they didn't want the Messiah to come. The one that they had read about. The ones that they had been, the one that they had been taught about. <laughs> How many of you? have been on your way to grandma's house and then decide that you didn't really want to go there. Come on now. How many of us, how many people have been on their way to heaven and decided they really didn't want to go there because the cost was too much? The journey was too difficult. Or because they didn't really know how to make it to their destination and they got sidetracked. They put one or two numbers wrong in the GPS. Or it could be like what I've done before and I didn't change the state that I was going to. And I put a name of an address, a street address, and there actually happened to be a street address, uh, you know, in that state, in that city that I was in, and it took me there, and that was not close to where I was going. There are times that we get misinformation. There's times that we 
that we simply take what the preacher says and say, oh, that must be right. He said it from the pulpit. It's recorded. It's got to be right. And we didn't study it for our own self. The destination. See, it's really, it's easy. But yet, there's so many things out there that makes it so difficult. So difficult to make it to that destination. But we get something else from the wise men. Because whenever they get there, they were... They were full of joy. Now see, you know, this was not a, of course it was not an ordinary star, you know, because the star was moving and leading and directing them. And we see that it directs them to Judea. So whenever it takes them to this area, they go to the largest city that's in this area, which would be Jerusalem. And that's where they meet Herod. And then they leave from Herod, and the star rises up again. And the star literally moved and stopped directly over the house that they were supposed to be at. Hmm. We get all excited, don't we? We should. Here we are. Uh, you know, here is the destination. Now, whenever you're going to Grandma's house for Christmas, you know there's a good Christmas gift there for you, don't you? After all, I got more happy socks. Y'all like my eggs? I got fried eggs on today. I even got bacon, happy socks. There are, whenever you go to grandma's house, there's good things. There's good food. There's good gifts. You arrive and you're like, yes! If for nothing else, the, you know, the wise men were, you know, they were praising and they were thanking God because now they get to get off the donkey or the camel. They're there. And they go into the house. And whenever they get to the house, they see what? They see a baby boy. And it says that they couldn't help but to bow down and to worship. Hmm. They went searching for a king. they showed up at this house and they went in and they found the Savior of the world. They didn't find just a simple king. They found the Savior. And they knew that there was absolutely nothing that they could do other than worship. Whenever we truly walk into the presence of God Almighty, 
we know that the only thing that we can do is to bow and worship Him. Because He is the Savior of the world. He is the one that came to forgive us of our sins. He is the one that came to set our relationship right with God so that we would be able to live with Him for eternity. The only thing that we can do is to bow down and worship Him. So see, this here brings us to this last part. You know, because see, whenever we, whenever we get here, and we get to Grandma's house, and, and we open up that great gift, the journey has to end, and we have to go home. But after all, they came for a king. They met a child in the Savior of the world. They knelt before him and they worshiped him. And they worshiped him as the Savior of the world. Not as the King of the Jews, but as the Savior of the world. And then they gave him gifts. But whenever they got up, And they went home. They went home a different way because of a dream that God had given them. But they went home changed because they didn't see an earthly king. They worshipped the Savior of the world. We've seen the signs. We've heard the messages. All it's for us is to simply come, bow down, and worship the Savior of the world, and then leave to go home never to be the same. Where they went one, they came one way, they left another way. Because of the Savior of the world. This journey that we're on, this life that we are living, wow. It's just like the life and the journey of the wise men. Because as we listen, we hear. And whenever we listen, we know where to look. And whenever we look, we find. We don't find just anything, but we find the Savior of the world that came to change our destination. Because our original destination is to hell because of the sin that is in our lives. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. But because of this birth, because of this baby that we worship, whew, our sins are forgiven. 
no longer headed for hell, but headed for eternity with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because of this baby. We need to prepare. We need to learn everything that we can about this journey. We need to listen. We need to look for the signs. Because God is here. God is moving in our lives. He's moving in this world. He's moving in this church. And He's moving so that we will be able to make it to that destination. That we'll be able to make it to the part in our lives that we bow down and that we worship Him. And that we allow Him to change our lives. No longer the way that I was whenever I got there. Right now, I am not the same person that I was whenever I got here this morning because I have had the opportunity to worship the Savior of the world. See, that's what the wise men show us. Throughout this Christmas celebration and these messages, each and every one of them has shown us that because of Jesus Christ, our life is changed. And it's only because of Him, because of His birth. This morning, I would like to open up the altar. And whenever we open up the altar this morning... I open up the altar just simply to allow you to worship the Savior of the world. To fall at His feet and allow Him to change your destination. Change the path of your life. Now I know that some of us have already received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But there's separate journeys that he has for us throughout our lives. And there's something and there's a specific place that he needs for you to be. Today is the day to accept that place and to go in the direction that he needs for you to go. So as Robbie and as I guess the, as Robbie comes... You know, God has prepared each one of us for this day. He's prepared us because he has something specific for us. Where are you in your journey? Where are you in your walk with Christ? there might be a new destination. You might be at this point that in your life that God is saying, I need you to go this way today. Are you willing to go this way?
There are ministries that God has placed in our path and in our lives. Are we willing to go and to do that ministry? Trust me, it'll change your life. It'll change it forever. Let's stand. This morning, come and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, mighty God, our Lord and our Savior. Yeah. 
God's doing a mighty work this morning. There's been prayers answered, battles won at the altar this morning. We thank Him and we praise Him for this. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for the words that You have given to us this morning. God, as we looked into the, the journey of the wise men, God, I pray, God, that you would help each one of us to be wise, to be wise in your walk that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. stand for dismissal remember the announcements okay there's no evening service but we will have service beginning at 10 o'clock on Monday so that service at 10 o'clock on Monday all right let's bow our heads dear Heavenly Father we thank you so much for this morning God I thank you for each one that is here and I pray that your face would shine upon us and God that you would bless each and every one today In Jesus' name, amen.